When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Final Furlong Podcast is brought to you in association with AtTheRaces.com, the ultimate resource for racing fans. Thanks for downloading the Final Furlong Podcast ahead of a magical weekend as the undisputed queen from the equine side of things of racing returns. Enable with that man, Frankie Dettori, and one of the greatest trainers of his generation, John Gosden, is back. And in behind, magical. Potentially. I, I, I thought you were doing something very clever there, Kennedy. Or for a magical weekend, I was waiting for the punchline. But um, Tish, or in, will inadvertent will magical overturn her? Uh, we shall find out from the interrupting Kevin Blake. Oh, <laughs> have you read all of the scathing articles that were clearly kicked off by uh, you, Sarah, and I on Monday's show? Um, I have read a few, yeah, and I do not think we kicked that off. <laughs> oh, it was us. We launched that one. I'm claiming credit. Yeah, I think I think most of the articles came from who came from people who, unlike you and Sarah, were actually there in Derby Day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, some were even from people who were never racing before, which was interesting. Uh, I'd never been racing before. And I shan't be going again. Well, don't blame it on the one day. And Rory DeLarge. Hello. As we look ahead to Sandown, Haydock, and possibly a quick eye at Belmont. A very, very quick eye, which is live on Sky Sports Racing as Aidan O'Brien goes in search of more grade one glory. Uh, Wayne Lorden, who's basically becoming the go-to man for the international racing for Aidan. Uh, we'll see how that all goes, particularly with the fascinating Cape of Good Hope Saturday. Sky Sports Racing. Uh, we'll first of all, though, talk about the biggest star in the game, and she's back. Enable is odds-on to win the Coral Eclipse uh, Magical, who was second to her in the Breeders' Cup turf uh, last year as Enable made history to go and win the Ark in the Breeders' Cup turf. The first horse to do so in the same season. And then you've got Regal Reality, a disappointing Telecaster from the Derby, but still an exciting horse. And the rest are whatever price you want. Rory, we'll lead with you. Enable is a superstar. It's great to see her back, but could she be vulnerable on her return? Uh, definitely, yeah. Um, for for various reasons. One, um, although she won all three of her starts um, last season, she wasn't um, explosively impressive as she had been the previous season. Um, she was rather clinging on at the end of uh, of the arc in the uh, uh, the Breeders' Cup. Um, we know how good she is, but she didn't. She, she was a little bit shy of her best because of that truncated season last year. So she still, strictly speaking, needs to prove that she's she retains all that ability. I know it's a slightly harsh thing to say about a, um, a mayor on such a winning run. Um, and she's very closely matched with Magical in last season's form. So there's not a huge amount um, between the pair of them on current merit. Um, I think in, in handicapping terms, a couple of pounds at the moment. So I mean, she's. I'm. I'm looking at the prices here, and I'll do. A, I'll do an Emmet before you can do one yourself. Four to six in a place is enabled for this, and um, that's. Uh, 
I think she has to be odds against. Mm. You know, I know there's always going to be demand for her because everyone's everyone's won their Frankie money from from Royal Ascot, so they'll be uh, they'll be flashing that again at the weekend. But um, you know, this, she's had she had setbacks twice last season. She's had a setback of sorts this season, which meant that she she didn't um, she didn't make Royal Ascot. Um, John Gorston showed last season that that he can get her right on the day. Um, you know, we thought she might be vulnerable once or twice last season and although she was she got the job done um, so you have to respect um, the master trainer when he brings her back for this this is this has always been plan B um, so she rocks up and she's got um, she's got every chance but I don't think she's a four to six shot um, on paper um, she's top price 10 to 11 I, I think she has to go odds against here um, if you want to be really uh Gonna be really scummy about it. Backing magical at four to one each way oh, uh, seems like oh. very nearly free money. Oh, go wash your mouth out. There, oh. That's an account closer <laughs> right there. Oh. Um, to me, there's the, there are only two horses in this race you can back. I don't think you can realistically back enable at odds on. I think she, obviously she can win it. Obviously she should be favourite for it, but I think she's too short at the prices. Um, and sometimes you can afford to watch horses like her win and enjoy it for the sport that it is without having to back them. So you can back Magical because her price is holding up nicely uh, with an able to shorten the market. How Regal Reality is a 5-1 to one quote in places is beyond me as well. He's 5-1 to one to get to the post, isn't he? Yeah, I would have thought so. <laughs> Jesus, did you see him last time? Shocking. Um, it, was, it, it was a miracle they managed to get him to the start. He didn't. He didn't parade in front of the stands. Um, he didn't want to go in the in the parade ring. He didn't want to go out on the race course. And he's a Group Three horse. At so I, I I think they've missed a zero off his price here. I really do. <laughs> um, so the other horse you can back in this race. Well, Mustachery is better than Regal Reality from the same yard, although. Uh, and he's a course and distance winner, Mustachery, for all for all he was disappointing in the Queen Anne. So he's he's vaguely interesting at that price. If he come here instead of going to the Queen Anne, he'd be a lot shorter. But at the prices, I think the other horse you can back in this race, apart from Magical, is Telecaster, yep. who's sixteen to one, sixteen to one in a place. And that, I mean, he's drifted um, with um, with a few, but he's sixteen to one top price, fourteens uh, in a in a couple of places. I think he I think he goes off shy of ten to one. Um, yes he's got a bounce back from that run in the derby but we know he's better than that I was massively against him in the derby I thought he had a huge amount on his plate given the preparation he had for that you know he was taken out of the derby uh, and then he they give him a big test in the Dante to get him back in the derby I think that kind of race leaves its mark on a horse as inexperienced as him you know he made his debut in April didn't he mm-hmm. um so I thought it was a tough ask. And he was stuck on the inside at Epsom as well. So his only option was going forward. Um, and for a horse as buzzy as him, that was uh, that worked well enough at York. Um, but it wasn't going to work at Epsom the way the race was set up. Uh, and everything that went forward um, didn't figure in the finish. And the distance that Service Maximus was beaten, for example, gives you an idea of, of how, uh, how what poor tactics going forward were in the race. Um, so I think that's a complete write-off. Dropping back to a mile and a quarter will suit him. He may not be good enough. You know, winning the Dante is not the same as as winning um, all the age group ones. Um, but he does have the possibility of further improvement. 
Um, he is lightly raced. I'd be a little worried that, you know, the Derby, again, on the back of the Dante, just might have been too much for him mentally. Um, and horses with his kind of profile going into the Derby, even when they run really well, they don't necessarily improve again for that, even though you'd expect them to. You know, horses who hadn't run at two, for example. Um, so that's a bit of a question mark. And I don't think he's an each-way bet. But I do think he's... he's um, uh, a value bet at 16s win only at this stage. We do currently have the dead eight. So who's going to come out on the day to destroy that on us then? That's the, that's the question. Um, I thought Telecaster was very interesting based on his Dante win. You're dropping back to that trip and you're back to a small field as well. The Derby was just too much for him. And yeah, everything that Rory has said makes perfect sense. Uh, Magical is, is clearly very, very interesting, Kev. But to deal with enable first of all rory's given us his two alternatives there has been mixed messages uh, about her and about how forward she is but she's undeniably the superstar doesn't necessarily mean that she's going to be 100 percent revved up for this seasonal reappearance though um it doesn't uh, but you know we had the, i remember this this there was a big debate around this her her seasonal return last season and when she was taking on Crystal Ocean uh, on the all-weather at Kempton, and she produced a, a very good effort um, off the back of an interrupted preparation. And she's just that type. She 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 always... You, I suspect she, she'd be easy enough to get fit. I, I suspect, looking at the way she races, I assume she's she's quite generous at home. And um, uh, Rory might have an intruder there. Uh, it sounds like it. You all, you all right there, Rory? Rory? I'm all right, yeah. I, I did have an intruder. A three-year-old intruder. Oh, for goodness sake. Uh, so so you, weren't, right. you weren't going for the Glock 19C then, no? <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, uh, yeah. So I wouldn't be too worried. I'm sure John Gosden will have her quite straight. Um, you'd like to think she'll be fully effective at the shorter trip. You know, the thing with Enable is strong traveling and can inject a bit of pace in a hot part of the race. So with those attributes, you'd like to think she can be very effective, if not fully effective, over the 10 furlong trip. And sure, look, I suppose from a, from a spectator's point of view, you'd love to see her come back and, and blow these away. But um, we're looking at this from a betting point of view. And as Rory says, um, you couldn't really realistically entertain backing her. Um, certainly not at odds on, um, you know, the, with the shape of the race. You know, you just have to go after her here and try to take an each way option against her. And if she goes and wins and you finish second to her, so be it. But um, that's the only way to play this. You you couldn't tell, you couldn't recommend anyone, even if you knew Enable was absolutely flying at home, never been better. Um, you, you'd be slow enough to take those odds for all that at her very best. Uh, she's the one, I'm sure, that, that will come out on top here. Magical, as Rory says, looks very solid, just as she did going into uh, Royal Ascot. Um, the ground turned up a bit unexpectedly soft, but... She's well equipped to cope with that, and she ran, she ran well, um, probably as well as she has all season, um, but was just no match for Crystal Ocean on the day. But ran a very noble race in defeat, um, galloped all the way to pretty much to the line. Ryan pretty much le left them to it there in the closing strides, but it was a good run, a good solid run, and a reproduction of it um, would set the bar good and high for enable to 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 come up to. On her seasonal return, she couldn't. She, if Magical runs to that level, um, Enable can't be too far behind her best if she's going to go and win. 
so look, that option is there if if you are um, an absolute raging scumbag and you hate having accounts open. Um, by all means, go go back magical each way uh, with your online account. Um, if you do enjoy having accounts open, that's probably one for the Balaclava and um, and the betting shop with, with cash in hand. Um, but you know that makes perfect mathematical sense. But the one, it's, oh, just just to um, go to Rory there, I I wouldn't have Telecaster myself. Um, you know the Dante with the glorious benefit of hindsight doesn't look as good as it did at the time you know it's well well established now that he was well placed as the race went you know two darn hot might have beaten him on, on another day and you'd have to say two darn hot looks a, a diminished horse this season mm. um and you know over with you know considering he's running over t- seven furlongs at the weekend um, it just it wouldn't enamor you in terms of looking back on that as a piece of form over an extended 10 furlongs Surfman has finished third you know he, he went into that race with a reputation he's been booted out of the way since um, in France Japan well, was fatter than fat bastard in Austin Powers when he ran that day and, and has clearly uh, improved massively since then Turgenev the horse that could have broken the British bookmaking industry uh, was a blatant non-stayer that day um, so you you can pick at it you can pick away like a picky thing at it even Bangkok who, who um, beat him on debut he hasn't exactly gone on in the way you would have expected either yeah you, you can go picking you can you can pick away to your heart's content at the Dante and um, he's gone to the Derby uh, not being smart after the event, I, I said in a number of places, including on the podcast, that I wouldn't personally wouldn't have dreamed of um, supplementing them for the Derby. Yeah, you um, both did. You were both very clear it, about that. Yeah, look, uh, I was there at York for the Dante, and he was on edge. And I know his mammy was the same, and she was still a very good mare despite it, but was was very on edge at York. And um, you know, got on edge at Epsom and raced. Ultimately, raced too freely. Didn't really give himself a great chance to get home. So he's coming back to ten furlongs, which should suit him. Uh, but I, I was just, I just don't know how good he is. He, he got a big number there based on the Dante, but I, I don't know how justified that is. That would be a very windy number, um, in my mind, at the minute. He may well, may well prove to be up to it in the fullness of time but I, I would just be very frightened of taking it at face value at the minute um, he's drawn six here you know in terms of how it pans you'd be shocked if Hunting Horn didn't go forward and make it a good even pace at the very least and um, you, you'd imagine Telecaster will, will go forward because I don't know how good his breaks are and Oshin will probably look to get him up and sit second and try to relax him as best he can um, with the two big guns probably sitting in the second wave behind so it, it'll be interesting we'll learn more about him but I would be until proven otherwise I would be sceptical about Telecaster at this level and uh, the the each way option I would put up is uh, Mustachery um, you know the, the lockage was well established that the lockage really showed him to good effect everything went right the race panned out perfectly he had the benefit of race fitness going in and it just went beautifully for him and he stamped his authority on, on the field um, taking on a lot of those horses again at Royal Ascot and he didn't run nearly as well but I'd be a small bit forgiving of him there just because the race didn't go nearly as well from as it did at Newbury you know I think looking at Mustachery and looking back at his runs I think he he's a grinder that needs time and space to go through the gears 
and yeah, yeah. you know especially over a mile because I think ideally he, he probably wants further um, so over a mile what happened at Ascot was he, he was bottled up behind him in what was a good position but when the race hotted up there was no great space for him and then when he got a hint of a bit of space he got a bit interfered with he was up kind of up one's arse and he just didn't get to open his stride until you know 150 yards to run basically and in the last 150 yards he's gone and made up you know the bones of two lengths on Lawrence and he's hitting the line hard so I'm just thinking here he's he's a course and distance winner long out straight at Sandown drawn five he can hopefully slot in kind of two wide on the outside of maybe the third wave maybe tracking magical and enable with enable probably in you know outside magical looking at the way they're drawn and Jim will just be able to go through the gears when he gets into the straight and um, I'd be hopeful he'd finish off with a bit of a with not so much a rattle but he'll grind away down the outside and um, we'll be we'll be in amongst it at the finish how close I don't know hopefully close enough to hit the frame obviously but I just I could see him bouncing back and I think the market has been has been a bit cruel to him now um, in terms of dismissing him based on what he did at Ascot. Uh, 16 to 1 just looks big to me. Well, it was July last year when he last won over 10 furlongs and that was in Sandown, so perhaps... That was his only that was his only run, I think, of the trip. Yeah, yeah. Mm. He's, you know, he, we know he stays and he's unexposed, so yeah. um, I'd agree that he's, he's he's much more interesting, as I said, than regal reality from the same stable. That was yeah. in, in Lister's company. And to be company. fair, like, if, you, if you knew... If you... <laughs> If Regal Reality reproduced what he did, um, you know, once the stalls opened at Sandown last time, you know, it looks a bit, probably looks even better now than it did at the time with Matterhorn coming out and and um, and winning, a, you know, maybe not quite matching his all-weather form, but certainly going a long way to showing that, he, that he's quite effective on turf. Um, and Regal Reality smashed them, you know. But again, like you say, Rory, it's just, it's one of those that if you do fancy Regal Reality, you're probably better holding on to your shekels until reasonably late uh, because he, he did act like an absolute hooligan beforehand mm. um, and you just you know what he did last time it does stand out uh, amongst his form and look clearly he's relatively unexposed and could it could be genuine improvement but you just worry and like you say he's he's short enough now that that price very much buys into every ounce of that performance last time Yes, and you uh, just be. He just look does look a bit skinny. Yeah, and I, I, it's a dangerous argument to suggest that Matterhorn ran his race, or even Dancetaria ran his race in, in yeah. thirds. I know Dancetaria won the next time. I, I just, I think both of those horses were a little bit flat on the day, uh, particularly the second, possibly because Regal Reality left them all waiting at the start. Yeah, you know, while he played around, played up, and you know that often plays. Um, into the hands of the, the horse who's misbehaving rather than those who've done everything right. I would yeah. be inclined to agree with that. Uh, you are looking for him to, to step up from winning enlisted company this time last year, but it's not the strongest of races with the exception of Enable and Magical. Um, the rain softened ground, and I know Kevin argues that she's capable of that, of handling that, but I just wonder if the uneven tempo, tempo on the rain softened ground were her undoing that day at against a, a peak form crystal ocean and go for the account closer you will have your account closed and you can't complain about it afterwards but um the fortune you wear a mask and you're betting in cash online you'll have your account closed and there can yeah, don't be, be no doing it online for god's sake get yourself out 
Get a bit of exercise. Yeah. There are find a nice female waitress to open an account for you, and uh, that might help. And then in about a year's time, you can settle the court case. Uh, on, hopefully get paid. On the steps <laughs> and uh, outside the court, and it can be covered by the excellent team at The Guardian uh, again. Uh, of, co- of course I am jesting. I'm, I have no doubt that uh, that account did belong to that young lady, of course. Oh, of course it belonged to her. <clears throat> anyway, the that's the 335, the feature race of the entire weekend. It'll be great to see Enable back. Uh, I'll row in with, with Magical, who is currently available at 7-2. to two. Ay, ay, ay. I might have to four go. 4-1, and... mate. Stop reading the bottom price I, again. I don't think I can get that fours. I can't. Uh, but I can get the 7-2. The two. biggest firm in the world. Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, we'll do an old smash and grab there. And uh, and we'll, we'll see if we can get as, as much as possible. Um, I suspect she's significantly shorter on the day. The 150 at Sandown. By the way, has anybody heard from Sarah Lynham? Has, has Jim Crowley got her? Did he, did he fix <laughs> no, her? I think, I think the car got to her first. <laughs> <laughs> Derek McGrath got her, and Jim Crowley was in, It was like that scene in Airplane where they're like all queuing up to, to sort out the woman on the plane. Um, yeah, just, just, just she's all right. Sarah's fine. Um, and I uh, don't think Jim was too impressed. Anyway, the Coral Charge over five furlongs, which Edna Bryant says is the maximum trip for Sergei Prokofiev, who is back after just being completely uninvolved in the royal meeting. Um, we've got a much more interesting horse in my eyes. Susan Roy has transferred Garris to the training, very capable training hands of Charlie Hills now. Um, and is a best-priced 7-2, to two, I believe. Uh, I would be interested in Four this. to one. Can you get fours? <laughs> really? Yes. Jeez. Again, with the biggest firm Jeez. in the world. Yeah, well, if you can get it, good luck to you. Uh, in the end, Jeremy Nasida kind of went out with a bit of a whimper, but here's one of his horses uh, who has seemingly improved for the switch to five furlongs and um, will be running in the Coral Charge. Rory, I'm sure you were devastated that Jeremy went out with a whimper. Just stop trying to make me talk about Jeremy Nasida for trying out loud. <laughs> I did that last time. You never um, did get on with Jeremy Nasida, Rory, did you? <laughs> I've never met Jeremy Nasida, and I'm <laughs> highly unlikely to. Uh, yes, Garris is quite interesting. Stall nine, not the ideal place to be here, though, at Sandown. True. Um, the draw bias, not as maybe not as strong to the low numbers as it once was, but it's still not easy to be trapped out wide um, unless you've either got the acceleration to pass your fields. Um, we've seen Batash win from the wide draw here, but you know, no horse in the country can go as fast as Batash for a couple of furlongs. Uh, so that's a little bit of a, of a concern um, for me. Uh, the break since York and May, probably less so. Grind will be fine for him. Uh, he's definitely a player. It's a, um, it's a tough little contest. Um, I I fancy one at a price who I would want I would need to be at a bigger price, oh. back, but I think that will happen. We're we're looking at the you know the, the market doesn't open up enough until until the day. Um, the, you can pick out a little bit of value with the market leaders, the outsiders. No one wants to go you know firms want to price up the outsiders in races like this at twelve and fourteen to one. When actually you're going to be getting forty or fifty to one, uh, the rank outsiders on the day. Um, the outsider I like here, who has to be a bigger price than um, uh, they currently is, is a horse called the Cruising Lords, who I took oh. in the Irish field last time. That was only a listed race over course and distance. 
Um, and he ran very well to be second to Curious. Um, he's got a better draw than Curious this time around. Um, and they they held him up last time, and I thought he um, uh, I thought it didn't help him enormously in that he he was sort of all dressed up with nowhere to go for a couple of furlongs um, before running on late. He was he never looked like he was going to get um, too curious, um, but I wonder if he'd have got a fair bit closer if allowed to stride on. Uh, again, on his previous start at, um, at Newbury, um, he was handy, but John Egan, who rode him, was clearly under instruction to, to hold on to him. And he was very free as a result. I think he would have done better in that Carnarvon stakes if he was allowed to stride on. I know that uh, Michael Atwater, he trains him, thinks, thinks a lot of him. Um, he's from a decent sprinting family. You know, not quite, not quite up to this level, but you know, a, a few from this family have have won their share on quick ground over five furlongs, um, and he's had a couple of efforts that the make. I mean, he was a very impressive winner of a of a novice on on quick ground at Bath on his uh, his return. He then had a, a stiff task um, against Calix next time out, and and he showed what he could do last time while still hinting he could do better. Um, there's not enough in that to think that he's good enough to win this if it's a if it's a thoroughly fair race, but I do think he's he's a little better than he's shown. I think he'll step forward again. I think he can hit the frame. I, I think you know third or fourth is probably as good as he can do here, but I would expect him to be forty to one on the day. Um, he's twenty five best price in a couple of places, but you know this is this is a no liquidity market where the firms don't have enough faith in their pricing to um to put anything in in at a, a huge price um and i i'd fancy him to turn the tables with curious who's a, who's a much shorter price 40 to 1 the cruising yeah, well, I'm, I'm, 40 to 1 is a price i'd be looking yeah, for yeah, yeah, yeah. he's not that price at the moment he's but 14s in a place well we know that the prices now were ridiculous compared to what they're going to be saturday morning we just know that so why not why not yeah um look for that kind of price why not think that he, he will get be that price um kev i know you've studied this race in depth away can you get away from the front two in the market are you inclined to go for something bigger as well because this is a wide open division oh yeah well i'm happy to go fishy fishy here um i could see this going horrendously wrong for sergey prokofiev mm-hmm. uh from stall two he's a horse that ha- has developed a bit of a habit for missing the kick and he's a horse that they like to ride stone cold. And from stall two, he's going to have a wall in front of him fairly quickly. And he'll be at the mercy of um, of God uh, in, deciding, <laughs> in deciding whether he gets good luck or not. So You said that I'd very rather... strangely, Kev. It was like you, you paused, you went a bit pensive and then went with it. Like, um, yeah, oh. yeah, I wouldn't be known for my... For my uh... <laughs> <laughs> religious beliefs on being a small bit disingenuous there um but yeah so i i definitely take him on for show um and garris i, I don't mind garris with nothing against him um he has seemed suited by the drop to five this season and the, the stiff five here should suit him quite well uh draw a bit of an issue as rory says you want to be low in a perfect world here unless you've loads of speed um, and I don't know if they'd necessarily want to be pushing the pace with Garris um, in the ideal world. So I found myself going fishy-fishy. I almost convinced myself to take a chance on Rumble in the Jungle uh, from Stall 1. Yeah. You know, fast horse, very good in the mold come last year. Um, pretty abysmal in the Commonwealth Cup, you'd have to say, um, on a seasonal return. 
um, hung. You know, if he ran a bit better, I probably would have taken a chance on him here. Dropping back to five, stall one, hopefully returned to a more positive ride. Um, I could see him showing a lot more, but just the, the run in the Commonwealth Cup was that far below form that it just raises a slight concern as to whether he is the same horse as he was last season. So, um, again, a little bit like Rory said there, I'd imagine he'd be a bigger price on the day. So if you wanted to take a chance on uh, on the Rumble, um, it mightn't be the worst shout because I think he'll give himself a great chance of showing improvement from stall one there. Um, he has the speed, definitely, to to lead or, or, or share the lead, I think, um, if they want to. And uh, Frankie the Tories booked, so... They mean business, throw it out the cliche. So he's interesting. But what about one? There wouldn't be a dry eye in the house here. Oh, here we go. Caspian Prince. Oh, ah, yes. go on, Caspian. If he was drawn low, I, 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 there would be no hesitation. He's drawn eight, which isn't ideal. But by God, he's fast. He is fast, and he's a better horse than all of these, isn't he? I, um, I think the draws are positive with him. Do you think so? Get out and across. I think yeah. The stiff track's a little bit of a worry. Yeah. You know, it, it's it's he he wants a bare five, Casper Prince. He is very fast. He's one of the Curra. Um, yeah. Does well at the Curra, but I just I wonder a little bit. about he's never won at Sandown. Um, but the draw is actually a positive because he he likes to be on his own, and he's yeah. he's the only one in the high draws with with that kind of searing pace. And I'd rather have him on his own and able to do his own thing than next to something trying to match strides with him next to the fence. Now, would you like a factual fact about Caspian Prince? Of course. Go on then. 88 lifetime starts. He's never run at Sandow. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, would you believe two runs into his life, he was running over a mile and a half in France? <laughs> yes, indeed. Hang your head in shame, former... Well, he's by Dylan Thomas out of a Rainbow Quest mare. So what would you, yeah, true you start on that? <laughs> That he's a sprinter in the making. You can't. You don't breed sprinters. They're and just forces of nature, aren't they? Yeah. It's um. It's a good pedigree too. He's a half brother to um. Spare Quartz, who is another smasher of a five furlong horse. So they like all, everything in on, in the family basically, bar one by Monju, who we know is the the most the, the strongest influence of stamina of all time amongst flat stallions. Um, they've all been sprint types. Um, but uh, small bloodstock sidetrack. I'm, am I? I'm now. I'm, I'm making a fatal flaw here of starting to say something without remembering if, without knowing for sure if I'm right or not. But I'm fairly sure Dylan Thomas has another very good sprinter, or had another very good sprinter. Um, but by God, can I remember it? Oh, I know. Again, I've made a fatal error there. I'll, I'll flick through as we're talking. But uh, like what this horse did last season was was quite phenomenal really um he nearly won a rockingham handicap off a mark of 114 he was beating a short head now that was a, a one of the most remarkable handicapping performances of recent seasons uh he's done that as as a nine-year-old you know he clearly retains heaps of ability he's only beaten two and a half lengths off a mark of 114 in the dash last time um so there's heaps of ability still left and He's just better than these on most days of the week, isn't he? Kevin, are you talking about Premier? 
Uh, possibly. He is... Uh, wouldn't it, uh, uh, to be honest, I wasn't, but it might be the example. Well, it might be an example of one. I'd, I'd take it as the example, Kev, because uh, last season he was... Well, in 2017, 20, early 2018, he was unbeaten for a stretch uh, over five furlongs in Hong Kong. Okay. Okay, that and, probably wasn't uh, the one I was thinking about, but... And has made his connections uh, currently... £775,441. Not bad. You get yeah, that from uh, in Hong Kong, though. Well, true. True enough. Yeah, I, I think I'm talking rubbish, to be fair. I think I'm talking rubbish. Well, that'll give Kasby, you another one. Kasby, Kasby and Prince is probably the one that I, that I had in mind. That'll, that'll give you another one, in fairness. Um, yeah. Anyway, proceed. Um, so, yeah, basically. Um, I think... I think he'll be underestimated because he's 10 and this type of horse always gets underestimated. Um, despite the fact that he, he showed last time he clearly retains heaps of ability. You know, the likes of Garris and Sergei Prokofiev have never shown anything approaching what Caspian Prince was showing not so long ago. Um, and I know he has to slow down at some stage, but yeah, I think he, he put up a bold show for a long time. As Rory says, you, you know, he seems best at a fast five. But... <laughs> Yeah, this is you could say this is a drop in class for us. You know, from having to having to shoulder ten stone and a dash to, to coming into this company against largely listed Group Three sprinters. So yeah, Caspian Prince, one for the old boys. Caspian Prince, one for the old boys. I can give you another one, Kevin. Well, not listening to me, who has won one point six million. It's a Hong Kong horse as well, isn't it? it? Is, that's, yes. That's well named for you. <laughs> <laughs> Where is Dylan Thomas these days, Kev? Um, he's still in he's still in Castle Hyde. Is he? 4K he's pop a, now. He's a good sire. He's a good sire. You look at his, and I know like these horses can be ripped off very quickly, but like he's got you know fifty RPR 100 plus horses mm. in his career, you know, and some real good ones. Like a lot of them out abroad now, blazing speed, not listening to me, like you say, um, and a few others. But he, I think he's a right good sire. Just you know, he's standing for four grand there in Castle Hyde. You do worse. <laughs> yep. Is um is Golden Breeding Enterprises Incorporated going to be heading down to Dylan Thomas anytime soon? No, I can't say I'd have one that would suit him, I don't think. It's mm, a clever answer. Um, he, he started off at 50 grand. Yeah, he did. He's down to four now. the old days, about 10 4K. years ago. Uh, he was a damn good racehorse. Damn good horse. Uh, so the cruising lord, if he can get 40s in the morning for Rory, Kev is going to go for one for the old boys with no dry eye in the house with Caspian Prince. And... Um, probably go just about, just about with Garris. Um, Kev, your alternative is... Um, we'll be Rumble in the Jungle. Fantast- fantastically named, being by Bungle in the Jungle and named after what, Kennedy? Oh, uh, Muhammad Ali's fight. Which one? The Rumble in the Jungle. Against who? Oh, <laughs> God. I can't remember. It's the posters in your house. Bail him out. Oh, lads. I like- what? Oh, you're talking to me now. George Foreman. Yes, there you go. What country for a bonus? Zaire. What city in the country? The capital. <laughs> Kinshasa. Kinshasa. And who? And what was the name of the horrendous dictator that allowed them to have the fight there? <laughs> I like how he's Idi got... Mean. Mobuto. 
<laughs> I like how we've gone into geopolitics. Uh, uh, on, I tell on you, if, if you haven't seen, um, oh, there, there's a few. I know I, I live for that era of heavyweight boxing. Now, yeah. But if you haven't seen it, there's um, a very famous um, documentary made about that fight. Um, when is it? When we were kings, or when they were kings? When when we were kings, the thirty yeah, for thirty. No, no, it's not. This isn't a thirty for thirty. Uh, this is this is a bit older than that. This, oh, this one right. Academy Award. I'm fairly sure. You're right. There is a thirty for thirty yeah. as well. But yeah, when we were kings is the one you're talking about, and it's. Uh, let me see. I'm not pretty. sure it is. I think, I it's think it is. Anyway, we'll figure it out. If you haven't seen it, when we were kings, yeah, 1996 yeah. Oscar-winning documentary. Um, chase that up. That in terms of a, a, a sport, an iconic sport to to steal the phrase of Kennedy, an iconic sporting event. Oh, good God absolutely legendary stuff some would say epic scenes uh right the three o'clock is the coral distaff listed race over a mile uh kevin i'm gonna throw one at you quickly muchly for john gosden um didn't appreciate the step up in trip last time but beat queen power the time before at ascot she went on to win enlisted company and that's probably where i would be going your thoughts on this race my man yeah, that was where I landed as well. Yeah. Um, it's just—it's it, an interesting race. This there's um, there, there's there's some very interesting ones, but she's the one I landed on. Um, Ferranki did a great job on her on her penultimate start um, over a mile at Ascot in a race that's worked out um, quite well, and she beat Queen Power, who went on and, and went off fav, didn't she, in the Ribblesdale. Or close to it, uh, and ran quite well without maybe coming up to expectations. But Muchley um, dictated the running that day under Frankie, and just about held on. But the, I, I don't know if making the running was necessarily ideal. But Frankie kind of rode the race and got the job done. And she was beaten last time when up to ten furlongs at Goodwood. And to me, it was a just a fairly clear case that she didn't get the trip. Um, they rode her a bit quieter. She took a strong old hold. She's cantered into the race and looked the likely winner and has just gone to pieces in the last 100 yards or so. Um, looked a fairly clear case of a non-stayer to me. Coming back to a mile will very much suit. Good draw. Frankie Tory back on board. Don't know if he'll want to make the running, but um, he should be forward on her. I suspect, and I'd be hopeful there'd be a little bit more improvement to come. Um, so she'd be my selection. Uh, one of the more interesting ones against her um, before I hand over to Aurora is encapsulation. Um, used to be trained by Noel Mead, uh, ran very, very well to finish second to Pink Dogwood in the, what's it called, the Salsible at Navin last time and changed hands and is now in the Barbara Keller colours, well-known Barbara Keller colours for Andrew Balding. Um, dropping back in trip, which I don't doubt her ability to be effective over now, that she's bred to be more of a miler than a 10 furlong horse. And she showed her share of gears uh, both at Navin and when winning at Clamel. So I, I think the trip would be okay. I'd be a little bit concerned about the ground. It's going to be good to spicy, spicy in places at Sandown, I'd mm-hmm. imagine. Um, it, it's to be, it's very toasty. They're, they're putting the water down, but it'll be spicy there. And she just, every time she's run, she's had a little bit of an ease in it. And she does lift her knee quite high. So until she proves it, 
I'd just be a little bit worried about her on such a surface, but um, I don't doubt her promise. I think um, she's one that could progress well for, for Andrew. I think the trip should be okay. So she's definitely really interesting, but I'd just be a little bit cautious about rowing in with her on this particular day. Okay, so Kevin and I are both with the daughter of Ifraj, who is unbeaten two from two over the mile trip, which she'll face on Saturday. That's muchly. Uh, Rory, are you weighing in behind us or are you taking us on? Uh, I'm I'm actually going to go with encapsulation. Oh, um, I, I, I take um, I take Kevin's point. Um, I my gut feeling is she'll get a. I, I'm not sure I'd want to see her on on um, quick ground on a on a regular basis. Um, but I think I think she'll get away with it first time. And the the benefit of this is with Sandown being against the collar all the way up the straight. That's where she'll, that's where the grind will really um, come into its own um, and she'll be a lot happier going uphill. Uh, so I, I think she'll get away with it for all, you know, it's, it's something, it's a bit of an unknown um, with all her runs coming in, good to softer, softer grind thus far. But, you know, again, she's been racing in April in Ireland. So she's bound to be racing on softish ground. Um, and it's not like, um, it's not like Zothanies have a, a particular uh, trait towards um, soft ground, plenty of plenty of fast ground uh, winners by the sire. Um, doesn't do so well in the old weather, but um, uh, fast turf generally generally all right. Uh, so yeah, a li- little bit of a question, but I think she's got um, she's got talent. Um, I think new connections. Uh, probably thinking of an international campaign for her as well um, as uh, as Kevin was saying. You know, the, the Barbara Keller horses are are campaigns. Um, internationally to, to pick up black type um, but this is a, a fair opportunity for encapsulation and what, what doesn't look an especially strong race really um, the other one that I yeah I, I take I see the um, the point about Muchley um, you know I, I agree with, with what's been said but I, I wouldn't want to take a short price but she doesn't, she doesn't look a superstar to me she will uh, improve for the drop back in trip but um, she's not one of She's not one of John Gosden's um, stars, and I wouldn't want it to be too short. Um, and the question is, what kind of have you got prices in front of you? Nine, <laughs> nine to two, <laughs> Muchley is the best price. Sorry, nine to two is the best price about Muchley. Uh, the best yeah. price you can get about encapsulation is eleven to four with one firm, five to two general. Yeah, see, I, I think that's all right. You know, if she, if she was, if she was, you know, shorter than two to one, I'd. I'd I'd probably back off a little bit, but um, at those prices, I, I think a cancellation is a, a better filly than um, than Muchley is. Um, and there's not a huge amount between the prices at the moment, so I, I, I'd be happy to give her a chance on the grind once. And it is interesting. Much, Muchley but... was seven to one when they yeah when they opened betting in this, even though that, that was obviously an, an anti-post market, but mm-hmm. has uh, has tightened a little bit since declarations. The other one that will do better, I think, at some stage is Desirous, who was favourite for the Sandringham at, at Royal Ascot. But I think she wants further than a mile already. You know, she was uh, she was going nowhere for most of the race. Uh, never looked never looked really like um, justifying favouritism, but she was she was uh, going on strongly at the finish as she was when she won um, at Goodwood. And although she won over seven furlongs, just a novice race at Kempton, I think she's going to want. A mile and a quarter fairly soon. 
Okay, uh, daughter of Kingman for Rafe Beckett and Harry Bentley. Uh, so it's encapsulation on first run for Andrew Balding, dropping back to the mile for Rory, and it's Muchley for Kev and I. Uh, Kevin has been banging on about a stayer from Ireland for quite some time called Falcon 8. He will wear cheek pieces for the first time and reappears at Sandown for Dermot Weld in the 4.45, the Coral Marathon listed race. Um, quick word on this horse with Frankie booked yeah it'd be great to see him out again um, they don't like uh, people will probably look at it and say oh God, god they, they must really fancy him if they're going to um, if they're going to England with him the, there's just not, man, there's not much, a great staying programme there in Ireland mm. at the minute um, like there's literally now that the Curry Cup's done and dusted like there's literally there, there's nothing really uh, for for quite a while for him, um, and certainly nothing beyond the mile six. So it's it's probably just you know he clearly is a horse that, as we've talked about before, he just stays really 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 well, um, and is really 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 slow. So cheek pieces, <laughs> cheek pieces are interesting. The cheek pieces will sort of um, show us if he is really really slow or just really really lazy, um, because hopefully that the cheek pieces will liven him up a bit in the the middle part of the race. But um, I haven't hammered this one down in great detail now, but he's a horse I really like. And um, this will be the, probably the fastest ground he's raced on, but he's he's won on um, good to firm the curve before, so he should be fine. And yeah, I'll just be interested to see how he goes now. He's, he's a lovely horse um, that, that, you know, he's probably one if you fancy him to, to stick him up, up a, a couple of uh, some in-running prices um, that are nice and big because he, he will probably come off the bridle. Um, a long way out, and people that don't know him will get a bit, uh, we get a bit jibby. But uh, that's his way, and he tends to hit the line very hard. Okay, you th- uh, you think he could be interesting in the that, Irish Saint last Ledger? Last worked out well, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah. You think he could be interesting in the Irish Saint Ledger, Kev? <sighs> you know, he probably wants it further. <laughs> He's slow. Is he that slow? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, if if they're well run, my <laughs> six would probably be fine for him. Queen Alexandra next season. That's not a proper race. Um, <laughs> uh, I was going to say the the if he was if he was up to winning this, um, the obvious step up would be the Goodwood Cup, but he's he's not entered in that at no. uh, this stage. So no, he's not indeed. Uh, we shall move to Haydock, shall we? It's good to firm at Sandown. So I presume then at Haydock, it's submarine Heavy. submarine level. <laughs> Is that what we're talking about, Rory? No, we're expecting Hayden to be well. We're expecting Hayden to be good to firm as well. I'm gonna have no bad words about the clock of the course either. <laughs> In this week of all week, yes. down with that sort of thing. Yes. Yeah. Um, some very interesting comments been made, and a uh, very interesting, very powerful article been written, which was then backed up by the clerk of the Bath race course. Is that correct? I think. I think I'll go with that anyway. Game of Thrones reference with High Garden. In the uh, Lancashire Oaks at 2.40 at Haydock, uh, where the betting is currently headed by Dramatic Queen. 11 to 4 is your best price. Uh, Classique, a final final Forlum podcast favourite. Rory, you can lead us off here. Yeah, I, I thought this was, this was an odd race in that there's nothing, to me, there's hardly anything in the race that obviously wants a mile and a half. Hmm. Um, you've got a bunch of them who've, who've um, proven themselves over a mile and three quarters. And then you've got a couple who don't look to stay beyond a mile and a quarter. Um, and you're caught between the devil and the deep blue sea with, with that lot. 
Um, Classic is the is the obvious starting point, I suppose. I mean, William Haggis is a, has a strong hand with uh, dramatic Queen and Classic. When Classic won over course and distance last time out in the Pinnacle Stakes, I saw Maureen Haggis interviewed afterwards, and she was asked by Niall Hannity um, about whether this this race was next on the agenda because it's such an obvious one. You you win well um, in a Group Three at Hayduck a month before the uh, uh, the Lancashire Oaks you're going to go for the Lancashire Oaks, aren't you? And she said, she didn't say no in definite terms, but she said she felt that um, if Classique was going to do better this season, it would be when her stamina was drawn out. And that's an interesting one. The problem with the programme is once you get near the race, you you realise that you're going to have a favourite's chance. It's difficult to say no um, to a race like this uh, where... You know, stepping up to going to the Lily Langtree at Goodwood, for example. A, it's it's four weeks away, um, and it's a less prestigious race than this, so you end up in the race anyway. So, Classic runs here, and she has um, uh, she has a, a favourite's chance in, in, a, in a tight looking affair, um, and um, the fact that Danny Tudhope rides her is a is a big positive. His strike rate for William Haggis is is frightening, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I haven't haven't kept um haven't kept up with what it is, but it really it, it's you know it's forty percent plus, isn't it? Um, so he rides classic, and and um, uh, that means that Richard Kingscote gets the ride in Dramatic Queen. Dramatic Queen never looked like winning anywhere bar the line at York in May um, when she beat Anne Bihar. Uh, that was the the Bronte Cup. Uh, which is the same level as this. Uh, the one thing I would take out of that is if you were going to drop them back to a mile and a half, I thought that MB Har would win a rematch. Uh, and for all she is proven, she's you know she's tried a mile and three quarter twice. She was uh, she wasn't beaten far um, at Ascot at the tail end of last year in the Noel Merlis Stakes, and then she um, you know she wasn't outstayed as such. She looked like she's going to win all the way around at York and she just wandered off a straight line and uh, and give Dramatic Queen a chance, which the winner took. Back at a mile and a half at a track with a shorter straight, I thought she had a tremendous chance of turning the tables. Um, I'd have her, I'd definitely have her a shorter price than Dramatic Queen in the betting. And looking through the, the horses in here, I think she is the one who is who will be best suited by a mile and a half. Okay, so that's Rory's assessment of the uh, race that precedes the feature at Haydock. What about yourself, Kev? Ah, very tough. God, it's it's closely knit, very closely knit. You know, a good few of these fillies have been beating each other there of late, um, and we have the variable of a drop and trip for a few of them. Uh, I would narrowly f- favour Ember Har, um, just because she, she's a really, really likable filly. Um, lovely long stride and good looking filly stay in filly with a great pedigree um, and to be fair to her for all that she clearly does stay well you know she she made the run and sat and sprint um, sat and sprinted over a mile and a half at Goodwood to be classic there two starts ago um, so I think she's adaptable and, uh, you know, front runners around Haydock, you wouldn't be upset. Um, will she get an easy time on the front end? Not a certainty. Um, Nia Letty um, is a bit inconsistent, both in terms of her, the form, the level of form she shows and how her, her running style. She's not always keen to go forward. Um, so it's hard to know with her. Um, High Garden could potentially keep her honest on the outside. You know, so it's not... 
um, with first time cheek pieces on. So it's not certain that she would get an easy sit, but even if she doesn't, I just I, I would just narrowly favour her. She's really, really nice. And uh, I'd hope there'd be a little bit more improvement in her. You know, as Rory says, she kind of, she half threw it away at York last time. She just, it wasn't anything horrendous now, but she just ended up in the middle when she didn't need to. Dramatic Queen kept straight as a gun barrel and there was only half a length in between them. Um, I just, I suspect with Ember Har, if, if if they'd been upside each other, Ember Har is just the type that she might have battled a bit harder um, if, if the other filly was closer to her. So I'll give her a chance to bounce back here and get back to winning ways. Um, before potentially, hopefully, going on to even better things later in the season. Okay, Ember Har, so for John Gosden with Dane O'Neill on board. John Gosden bidding for his eighth victory in the race. Our last race that we will look at, at least in the UK anyway, is the Old Newton Cup over a mile and four furlongs, sponsored by Bet365. And First Eleven, who has an impeccable pedigree, is up five pounds to a mark of 109, which I think is still pretty workable. Uh, Half-brother to Kingman by Frankel. That's the race previewed. Rory, do you want to add anything? <laughs> um, Molly come for first 11 today. I I thought you've got to be very, very good indeed to win a handicap of 109 in a race like this. Um, you do you do get the occasional um, handicap winner of, of higher marks. We talked about Caspian Prince earlier on, nearly winning the Rockingham. Um, and you had, uh, I forget his bleeding name now, the... the John Ryan's Lincoln winner won a, won a handicap at Chester off a mark of 114 or 115. A front runner who missed the break and still won. And I think he ended up rated about 70. Uh, uh, maybe, maybe lower than that a couple of years later. Um, what about, what so, about Aster Hasse? He won, um, he won a sprint handicap off a huge mark back in the good old days, yeah. if I remember right. I'm going to try and Lady Clegg's colours, is that right? Um, no, no, I don't. I don't think so. Let me see. Won a handicap here off one ten. Once upon a time, did they do better than that? Fucking might be some horse that lad. Yeah. Uh, won another handicap off one ten. He's always did it twice, uh, which is no mean feat. Uh, won a handicap of one oh six. We're going the wrong way. Anyone higher? No, unless I'm missing it two twice off one ten. Yeah, but it's very yeah, it's extremely difficult to do. And when you do, it tends to be exposed hand. You know those those handicaps um, where they're all exposed and there are no. You know you've got to be ninety five plus to get in in the first place, and therefore it's a, it's a um, you're not meeting anything ten pounds ahead of his mark. Uh, so I think it's tough for first eleven. For all he's got a very good record, and he is fundamentally um, a you know a group three horse. Um, He's got nothing in hand, really. Um, and I think he's into about 137-2 now, which is, is too yeah. short for me in a race like this. Uh, th- th- listen, the key to this race is whether infrastructure gets in or not, um, which he probably won't now. He's a reserve. Um, they, Kevin, do you know when they've pushed the deadline for reserves to get into these races? Because, um, you know, the issue the issue's always been the, you know, the deadline's been like ten o'clock on a on a Friday morning, and there's uh, no one no one's out of bed to decide whether to pull their horses out because of the weather or um, their well being until later than that. So reserves never get a run, and I think they pushed it back to I don't know, it's like one thirty or something like that now to give you a chance. But I'm not absolutely certain about that. Um, 
there are plenty in here who you'd you'd struggle to to fancy. But if infrastructure gets in, um, he will nearly be favourite. One one p.m. tomorrow. One p.m. Okay. Um, so this is an appeal if you happen to have a horse in the old Newton Cup. <laughs> Uh, I will give you money yeah, if you were drawn. <laughs> I don't. I don't greatly fancy your chances, but you'd be doing us all a favour if you let infrastructure run uh, for Martin Mead, a horse I, I tipped up last time when he was a non-runner. He was a big eye catcher. Um, I mean, he's not had much racing. He was an impressive winner um, at Salisbury at the back end of you know almost exactly a year ago, um, and he then raced on softer ground in a subsequent start. So the excuses at, at Glorious Goodwood. Then ran and grind. He didn't handle at Newbury. On his reappearance at Newmarket, the front three went off, and they were the front three throughout. He did best of the hold-up horses. The horse that finished behind him and a, and you know, a couple of lengths behind him as well went on to be fourth in the Royal Hunt Cup on its next start. Um, a style hunter was three lengths behind. Infrastructure came from a similar place, and you know he marked himself down as one to, to back in a handicap. Um, I tipped him up the other day when he ran, uh, when he was due to run, and, and the grind was just on the soft side of good, and they pulled him out again. So Martin Mead's taken the decision that he needs fast ground. Um, what what would really annoy Martin Mead and, and plenty of punters now is if something comes out in the day because the grind's too quick. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he's yeah, he's he was ten or twelve, I think he's ten to one across the board now. Um, you know, you're, you're throwing. We're not throwing your money away. You're 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 getting your money back fairly quickly if you back him. I think, um, unless he gets a chance to get in. But if he does get into this race, he will be punted. He'll be punted down to nearly favouritism. Um, so ten to one, you know, on, on the off chance that he that he sneaks in. As I said earlier on, if this was a if this was a big handicap in Ireland, he'd be a million to one on one to get into the race, wouldn't it? <laughs> be absolutely certain. Uh, it doesn't work, it doesn't work that way in England. Yeah, stone so, bruises are a far more common thing in Ireland. <laughs> um, um, yeah, um, there are a lot more stones, aren't there? Yeah. A lot more stones, stones for horses everywhere. to walk over, to be fair. A lot more. Um, yeah, the best price about him is, I'm sceptical about that, 14s, 10s. And some, 10s, yes. some have gone 8s. So you just have to think. Kevin Ryan, do the right thing. Come on, Kevin. I mean, I know the owners want a day out, but come on. Let them get on this horse and everything for you. Do everything for the punters. Take out the horse and let. It doesn't have to be the bottom one. It can be anything. Yeah, yeah. but he's got no chance. So just let. John Gosden, that first eleven. Yeah, John, cop yourself on. Hundred nine. Cop what, on yourself. What, what chances you have? I really like first eleven, Kev. Uh, your assessment of the old Newton Cup. This is the one that I haven't properly hammered down now, but I I did uh, with first eleven. You know, it's interesting to look at his the way the form of his last win has worked out. Um, the second, third, and fourth have gone on to be the is it the third, fourth, and fifth in the the Duke of Edinburgh. Yes. At Royal Ascot, fiercely competitive. Uh, the fifth has come out and won next time, I believe. The seventh has come out and won next time. Um, it's very, very strong handicap form. Uh, in in an owl nutshell. And you couldn't say things went perfectly for him on the day, but he still managed to go. He took a little while to settle that day, which was unexpected, but he um, he, he got reasonable splits in the straight and managed to grind it out. And it's just fascinating that they're persisting with the handicap route for him. I suppose what, you have to ask yourself why. You know, he, he's, you know, like you say, he's got, he's got a stallion's pedigree. Mm-hmm. 
um, no exaggeration. And I know he's disappointed a couple of times when he's gone into Stakes Company, but geez, I wouldn't not run him in Stakes Company on account of that. You know, maybe just the big fields and the the, the you know generally well-run nature of, of big field handicaps played to his strengths. But um, like he's rated 109 now. Geez, you, it's just surprising that he's not in Stakes Company um, with, with with such a pedigree and with so much talent. Like he looks very good. So. Um, as mentioned, I have not hammered this one down yet, so I won't burden you with any more jabbering. I think he will win. If you look what he did to Ghostwatch, who then came out, uh, he'd won his previous start, and he then went up to a mile and six and, and won on his next start for Godolphin as well. Having been, feeling he's gone to Australia, is that right? I think so. I think so, yeah. Um, still with Godolphin, but is down under now. Um but I, I like First Eleven an awful lot, and I, I think he'll take the world to beating. Um, if infrastructure more likely does not get in, Rory, who would you be weighing in with? Um, yeah, I, I, I had a look at this earlier on, and I, I wouldn't be against Byron Flyer at a big price. Okay. Again, I, I'd need a biggish price about him. If I'm going to be against First Eleven on the basis of him being rated 109, then tipping up the second top weight, um, who's an eight-year-old, uh, would look a little bit daft, but if he was if he was a big price Baron Flair, he was better than the bare result at Royal Ascot when um, Michael Barcelona uh, went off like a scalded cat in that um, Duke of Edinburgh handicap. Um, he's only beaten four and a half lengths into eighth, um, off a pound higher, um, slightly more sensible ride on him um, under David Probert. We'll see him there or thereabouts. But again, you want a biggish price. He doesn't have much wiggle room from his handicap mark. And again, if you rate the um, the York former first eleven, um, I wonder what kind of price you will get about um, James Givens Indianapolis. Ooh, the ex Edna Brown horse. Yeah, yeah, he wasn't five he, to one. <laughs> yeah, he was beaten less than um, less than four lengths um, by um, by first eleven. There, first eleven obviously got up five pounds for that. Um, on the other hand, Indianapolis, who ran well over a trip. I didn't think he quite stayed last time, but it was still a good performance and a very competitive handicap at air. Um, he's dropped a pound. And I thought he would be competitive um, back at this trip. Um, obviously, he, he takes on a, a couple of the horses who finished ahead of him last time out, um, including Kelly's Dino and, and uh, Charles Kingsley. But I thought... Um, I thought Indianapolis, if you if you watch that race back, um, he, he traded pretty short in running. He got himself to the front with a couple of furlongs to run and then got run out of things from the furlong pole as if he didn't stay the um, uh, the extended mile and five there, the best part of mile and three quarter. Uh, sorry, just a bit over mile and five, but dropped back to this um, sharpish mile and a half, less than a mile and a half here. I think he could turn the tables on a, on a few who beat him last time. And get amongst them again. He's not. You wouldn't say he's thrown in. You wouldn't say he's he's a good thing here. But he's he's drawn and stole two, which should enable him to to take up a handy pitch. Um, and I think in a race where there are a couple who stand out, but also have question marks against them, I think he could run fairly well. That was Mr. A Season of All Seasons in the background who would have commentated on Indianapolis back in the day. That was that was Kevin O'Ryan. Uh, was that Kevin O'Ryan? Was it? it was. I've forgotten what Kevin sounds like. Poor old Kev. Uh, absolute legend. So Indianapolis would be your big price alternative, so for James Given. Yeah, assuming we're getting. I mean, it's one of those. There are there are two or three here 
who I think are capable of, of getting amongst them. And it's a case of, of um, you know, avoiding the short prices and, uh, and and seeing what's ignored. And I'd have thought Indianapolis has the scope to be, you know, 28 to 1 or bigger on the day. And that's that's quite interesting. And as I said, Byron Fly would be interesting at bigger than 20s. He's 20s in two places at the moment. Fundamentally, one place. I'd need I'd need that price to be a, a general price to tempt me in. Okay, I'm going to stick with the 109 rated first 11 to get the job done for John Gosden. Uh, a brief, very, very brief look at Belmont. It's live on Sky Sports Racing. Um, Aidan O'Brien has a number of runners, but the these are all invitational races. So the invite went out a while ago. Um, just wonderful, Kev, who we've talked about numerous times. And as Rory has said in the past, is just funny. She's just a little bit awkward. Um, American racing with Lasix, you would think might, particularly with the way the pace of the race will be run, that might suit her. And they've also got the brother to the greatest horse that ever raced, Highland Real, Cape of Good Hope, going for the Belmont Derby, uh, which again, invitational grade one, that's at 10.44 in the States. The O'Brien Challenge, and the fact that Wayne Lorden is now essentially the go-to guy uh, when it comes to these races. Um, yeah, look, just wonderful. There'd be no great secret there. She's uh, she's quite awkward, tricky, um, needs loads of pace in front of her and to be delivered late. Um, so it'd be a case of weighing up the race and seeing if, if that scenario is likely to pan out. And uh, Cape of Good Hope for me has been a, a bit disappointing. Mm-hmm. Uh, his win at Epsom was, was solid enough. Um, ran fine in France, no better. And disappointed at Asuka for me. Um, maybe the ground was a little bit softer than ideal, maybe. But, yeah, wouldn't have, you know, I, I haven't looked to hammer these races down. Let's see what sort of depth is there. But um, I, I wouldn't be, they wouldn't be short on my list now at a, at a decent level in Europe, I'll put it to you that way. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if one of them comes away with the window, I have to say. Athena won the Oaks in Belmont for Edna Brown last year and Deauville took the derby back in 2016 so we'll see we'll see I think still think Cape of Good Hope is capable on the international stage of winning a decent enough prize best bets for the weekend gentlemen <gasps> <laughs> and we'll start with Kevin Blake uh, I'm going to go to Rory and I... oh for goodness oh, sake go to Kevin Blake starting with you Kev you've been asked the question give us the answer let me just Flick back over this. Oh my god! Uh, Rory Delargy. <laughs> Your best bet, Rory. Uh, I will go. Um, given that, uh, I'll go Mbihar in the uh, Lancashire Oaks. Oh, I think you've just stolen that. Excellent. Okay, brilliant. So, Kevin Blake. Yeah, this happened to me on the opening show with and Asuka at the at the end of the program. They, uh, they, they they were about to flash up the tips for the day and the graphic didn't go up and I completely forgotten what I tipped. <laughs> I went completely blank. Kev, it's, it's a show where we're going to ask you at the end of it what the best bets are. It's like you're a politician and you're going on Newsnight and you're asked, and what exactly is your manifesto? Uh, oh, <laughs> coffee uh, on the hop there. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'm buying myself time here clearly um, what will I go for 
It's it's either Mustachery each way or Caspian Prince. Oh, I'll go with Caspian uh, Prince. Uh, yeah, Caspian Prince probably has a better chance of winning the race. So we'll, we'll go for him. All right, Caspian Prince, and I'll go for first 11, and then that gives you a patent. There you go. You've got a patent for Saturday's racing. Three horses, Kevin Blake. Three horses. And that's it. We're done. Uh, from Kevin Blake. Good luck. From Roy Delargy. All the best. And from me, Emmett Kennedy, closing it out for this edition of the Final Forum Podcast. We're back on Monday to look back at the weekend's racing and a substantial amount of stories which have broken over the last few days. But we want to do weekend preview and not look at that but we'll talk about them on Monday there's a whole heap of stuff to go through and we'll do that with you Monday there's a load Kev there's a rake of stories to discuss and we'll do all that Monday on attheraces.com have a great weekend talk to you then God bless have you downloaded the free at the races app yet with easy to use race cards and form expert daily tips plus video replays and in-app betting it's the app that no racing fans phone should be without Available for free on your iPhone or Android mobile. Visit attheraces.com forward slash app for more details.